Hey everybody, it's Logic Mom 82 from the Mature Minded Gamers. We are a group of adult gamers who have jobs and lives, but also several passions, including video gaming, board gaming, and much more. You can join us by visiting our website, MatureMindedGamers.com. Today we're bringing you our Star Trek podcast, where we cover the latest news in all things Star Trek. Alright, hey everybody, it's Eric from the Mature Minded Gamers. We have one week until Star Trek Picard is here. We are all super excited. But this is not what this episode's about, sadly. We're uh, we're back on season three of the next generation, though these are three or four fantastic episodes from season three. We are gonna start off with the offspring, which has a lot of factors that I think are gonna play into Star Trek Picard. So kind of ironic that we're at this point. And we're only a week away from Picard. Uh, what do you guys think of the offspring? This is the episode. I'm going to give a quick summary where Data decides he's going to assemble his own android child. He names her Law, and he intends to raise her as his daughter. So when, when he first introduces uh, Jordy, Wesley, and Troy, they are very shocked by what's going on. And you can tell there's a lot of puzzle because Data's been keeping this hidden or secret while he's been working on it. Um, so we have a whole basically playback on the episode from earlier, The Measure of a Man, where Starfleet is wanting to take control of Law, and of course Picard again is against it, and Data is obviously against it too. Um, but some uh, bad things happen, and that ends up not being what happens. But uh, what did you guys think of the Offspring, and what do you think? Do you think it's going to play any factor into Picard? I didn't even mention you guys are with me. My normal hey, crew. Hey. Brad and Will are here today. What's up, guys? Um, yeah, I'll kick us off with uh, with this one. Um, uh, so this is a, an episode I really like. Uh, I like that Data is uh, striving to be more human by creating uh, the next evolution of himself. And um, even though he tries to do it one-to-one and create all the same features of him and Lal, he... Um, you know, ultimately, by the end of the episode, he's he's actually improved upon his design, which is... You know, I'm not a parent, but you guys are. It's kind of... The, that from what I understand, what a parent wants to do is um, give their offspring a better life than they had. So I think that was probably his intentions here and uh, understand better the human condition. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's lots of good points to this episode. I uh, definitely um, yeah, liked that he gave uh, Law the option to to choose what type of uh, creature she would be, what type of race and, and gender and uh, even um, kind of personality and drive that a little bit. Um, spending a lot of time with, with Guinan and, and learning humanity by hanging out in a bar and watching what they do there cracks me up when, uh, she yells out that man's biting that woman. And, you know, it's just that they're kissing and whatnot. And then she comes on to Riker. Uh, that's probably one of the funniest parts of this whole episode, but in my notes, what I wrote down and a quote that I'll probably uh, use just to be funny at some point is that um, she's talking about humor and she says that um, and I did, can't find it here, but she says, uh, even though I don't understand humor, I seem to have mastered it or something like that. So I don't know. This is a good episode. I like this one as well. I uh, recently watched this one again and it, it made me, you know, now is that's one of the first times I'd watched it as a father. And 
you know, at the at the end of this episode, when he's basically telling him that that when he when he when she finally the servos or whatever and the synapses stopped and it was just kind of like just a touching moment and everybody's just kind of like quiet and you know sorry you know crew has your sympathies and everything and he's like well why you know it just kind of shows well eh, there's no emotion there i you know and you you kind of feel that emotion as the as the audience member and then in realizing like you know data I mean, he doesn't have the emotion for the attachment, but then at the end when he says, well, she, I saved her memories in mine. And, you know, that just kind of made me think is like, man, you know, the, the memories that we create with our own offspring are just going to carry them on, you know, after we're gone. And it's just, I don't know. I like this episode. I thought it had some good humor. Uh, I thought it was pretty crazy how the Admiral wanted to be able to take her um and was basically like, well, now it's time to, to separate. And Picard's like, no, even I can see it's not time. And I'm sitting there thinking when I'm watching this episode, I was like, man, she's two weeks old. I mean, seriously, you know, like in what in what idea do they think that after two weeks is enough time to, hey, you need to separate, you know, and it's just like, what? I don't know, for an advanced civilization that the Federation is supposed to be and just how ignorant they are to the fact that they have no right to any of that to be able to even try to take you know they because they see it as research <laughs> no that's not how data sees it and i don't know i i, I didn't like whether the, how they portrayed the federation to be this overreaching um society uh, in this particular episode um and then i i guess i the one saving grace of that i guess is that the admiral was trying to help data save her life and i i I thought if there's anything that they could have done to help i guess repair that was that one thing but overall i like this episode and uh, i would definitely watch it again so i'm gonna see the side of starfleet here so you you create your own life you bring it in you don't starfleet doesn't know what kind of risk this is going to bring what if it brings the the enemy uh robots just like in picard i mean what if this was the start what if that's what she become what if she's the start of them, right? I mean, I, I can see why they want to control that. Yeah, but absolutely not. So the fact that, um, you know, a man and a woman can have a child. This isn't a child, out. though. This is it a robot. Is, it's the same concept. Mm. See, now you're right. walking the fine because line. They've, they've, they've stated that Data is a sentient life form. Therefore, for him to procreate and create additional life forms, that's the only way that he's able to procreate the species. It's been mentioned a couple of times. He's fully functional. <laughs> but even uh, even in this even in this episode like i mean that was stated picard said that i mean picard said like hey i was the one who helped define that data was a sentient life form yeah and and i get that but at the same time just thinking i mean for instance in our in our own world right now we had the i think it was a chinese scientist who made his own uh embryo right and he got put in jail for i think 10 years for it that's in china though I mean, it's still in our world. I mean, I mean, are you going to allow that? I mean, he made it. He's a human. What if it's a super soldier? You don't don't know this risk. That's a that's a far reaching like stretch for as a comparison to this episode. I mean, you you were basically not leaving data with any any ways to be um, to procreate at all. And if we're going to acknowledge him as a as a sentient life form, then we've got to give him the ability to do that. 
Well, I mean, they didn't say they're going to necessarily destroy. No, her. but they want to take her, her back to study. Study her. Like, well, yeah. That's different. I mean, okay. So, hey, so I'm the government, and I'm going to come over to your house and snatch up your older daughter and say, "Look, you have no choice in this. I'm going to throw her into a laboratory and study her." Are you going to be okay with that? Here's the here's the difference. How many how many children are born? And how many kids? How many times have we been through that process? We're talking about the very first time an android builds another android. So if yeah. if IBM Watson uh, and the other AI work together, which actually already happened, two of the AI robots formed their own language, which I'm sure you guys read about that. And guess what happened? We shut them down because we were scared. Okay, it isn't different. So think about this: when when they found data, you know, it's not the first they had data as a as a reference. And they also there's there's lore has been introduced in this show already. Well, so they, they they're think both he's been destroyed by now. And they're both human. They're both built by a human, though. It doesn't matter. It's still the it's still an android. It's no different. Well, and what happened to them? They got assimilated into Starfleet. Well, not lore, but just no. Escaped. Data decided to join Starfleet. Did he now? Yes, he did. He, he did. chose to. He's mentioned that a couple times. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm sure they programmed into his memory banks as he was at Daystrom. Anyway, oh my gosh, I'm just saying I see both sides of this. Now, as a father, yes, I wouldn't want that, obviously, you know. But we're talking brand new technology. You have an android building another android. I mean, android apocalypse. Here we come. I think you're reading into that just because of what's coming up on Picard. No, no, no. no. I, I see. I don't necessarily think you're accurate in the say that. What is coming up in Picard has anything to do with law and data making a another life form. Hmm. Well, I think it has to do with Starfleet. Um, oh, trying, everything has to do with Starfleet. Trying to clone them. And this I think that's what Picard's you know, let happen or something, something to that effect. I'm gonna I'm going with he missed data so much that he thought, okay, Starfleet needs we need more data. And he so he uh, he allowed them to start making them. And he's the one that caused this. I think it's no, I understand what you're saying as far as the sense or whatever, but they don't call them. I mean, they don't call them androids. They call them sense. So I think it's something completely different. All right. So uh, we successfully went way off track. Good job. uh, That was your fault. Actually totally my fault, but you know, all right, we're going to move on to sins. Oh, I forgot one of the best parts of the offspring. This was the first uh, time that our favorite director, William Riker, a.k.a. Jonathan Frakes, excuse me, a.k.a. Jonathan Frakes, got to do a directorial debut. All right, so Sins of the Father, we see Worf's long-lost brother, Kern, come aboard the Enterprise to serve through the Federation Klingon Officer Exchange Program, which we've seen Riker do in Season 2 aboard a Klingon ship. And we find out that Moog has been named a traitor to the Empire. So they blame it on evidence that they got from the Kittimer attack, that he is the one that leaked details to the Romulans. Uh, so we see a very interesting story. We find out a lot about the Klingons, and we find out the Worf has a brother, obviously. And uh, Picard, Worf, and uh, Kern all go back to basically defend Worf's family name. Uh, seen a lot of great character development from Worf, which I really liked. And he, he's even said in interviews that this changed the direction that he took his character from here on out which I think is really cool. Uh, what'd you guys think of this episode? I like Klingon episodes and this one in particular was really fascinating to see the, 
just the extent that the Klingon Empire was willing to do to kind of like, I guess, hide the actual truth of who the true traitor was because it was going to be revealed and they just kind of like, hey, you know, like Worf is, he's part of the Federation. There's, he's, he's basically not part of the Klingon Empire and he has no rights to this. So he's kind of like the, the scapegoat. Um, and I thought it was pretty cool that Picard was willing to step in with him. Uh, I liked how we got to see more of the Klingon homeworld. You got to see the Klingon high command. Kim Pak was there. Um, and I think that's one of the first times we actually see him. And I like this episode quite a bit. Uh, however, I, I don't like that Worf was just willing to be able to, you know, take a bend the knee cost of his family honor to, you know, to save the, the Federation Klingon Alliance. I can't believe that Picard was willing to accept that as well. But I don't know. I mean, ultimately it was up to, to Worf's decision on that because he was the head of the household in the, in the name, in the, um, what's his family name? Worf's family name? Yeah. Moog? Yeah. Oh, father, son of Moog. That's right. Okay. Thanks. I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was a good watch. It was m- not as much of the action that I was expecting to see in this. Um, I like how the wharf or not, excuse me, not wharf, but um, Jordy and Crusher basically come to Riker and be like, Hey, you know, we're, we're getting, we're getting shit on. And, but the, the one person who doesn't care if, if, you know, he's getting the attitude or he's not even giving attitude to is the one guy that wouldn't care about it. And then how, when Riker goes to him in the ho- in the uh, turbo lift and says, you know, hey, you know, this is a Federation ship and I can help you if you want. And at the dinner table, he's like, I would have killed someone, <laughs> you know, to cl- killed you if it was on a Klingon ship. So I-, I thought it was a good episode. Yeah, learning that that Worf had a, a brother uh, is kind of cool, especially in season three here. We we learn along. We learn he's got a brother. He learns he's got a brother and that there's more to the story than this and that his father um, didn't die a traitor and that it, it was a Duras of all people that actually caused the problem, um, which will present itself later on as the Duras family being pretty um, nefarious and, you know, basically everything they do. Um, so that's that's um, interesting to see that start to take shape and it even takes shape in uh or continues to play out in Star Trek generation. So, you know, this is going to be an ongoing theme for that. Um, but you're, you know, I can't remember which one of you guys said it earlier about it changing the way that he played Worf. I mean, that him believing that honor is, is above all else. And, uh, to take a step back for the, the sanctity of the entire, um, um, you know, Klingon homeworld basically, um, shows a lot of honor and character that um, for those of you that like Deep Space Nine, uh, you find that he really starts to display when he, he comes aboard Deep Space Nine. So um, I don't know. I I agree with that. This is this episode has a lot of implications on um, the future of Star Trek. Um, and we see so much of, of what happens here continue to matriculate out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I. I thought that was pretty awesome how this kind of like sets up the whole story arc for Worf. Yeah. And even Kern, we see him come up lots too. And, and even, you know, spoiler alert for those not watching Deep Space Nine, but even, you know, shows his, 
um, his character as well in this. And and man, I, I can't think of the the actor's name that plays Kern, but he does a bang up job playing playing that character. I mean, every time he plays Kern, he is true to the character. He he you feel like that he's been in the show just as often as Worf is every time you see him um, all the way until the end. And um, so I, I like that that character uh, came about and I, I can't remember it like, well, it doesn't matter. It's coming up on a future episode when we see that, that particular Duras um, meet his fate. That's going to be important later too. Tony Todd was Kern's name, the actor. This show also won an Emmy for best set design. Obviously for the Klingon Council, I think, which looked amazing. What did you say that guy's name was? Tony Todd. Tony Todd. He also plays a an older Jake Sisko in probably the biggest tearjerker in all of uh, Trek and Deep Space Nine. Oh my god, I cannot wait to get to that episode. Alright, so overall I think we all really liked that episode. I thought it was great, and like you said, Will, seeing the Klingons is always fun. And learning more about their culture and the High Council and how it worked and how they're, you know, what's kind of cool is how Worf was, he sacrificed his family name to keep the Council alive, basically. Which I thought was kind of cool and heroic and, I mean, it all kind of made sense of why they did it. Alright, moving on. Next episode is Allegiance. In this one, we see our good old friend Captain Picard resting in his quarters. Then all of a sudden, he's just gone. Uh, and a couple of alarms actually sound off, but the aliens are able to get a clone of Picard back in time. So nobody, everybody thinks it's just a bug or an error. And, um, you know, things resume as normal. And we see that Picard is stuck into a, a prison with two other cellmates and is joined shortly with, with a third. And they're basically trying to find their way, figure their way out and work together and learn about each other. Um, this episode's got some... It's got some slow moments, but I, I liked that they did a they went with a little different direction with it. I wasn't a big fan of the end of it necessarily, but uh, it was still kind of it was still all right. I don't hate this episode. I don't love it. At the, at the end, I thought it was really silly how the the aliens who could just warp people in and out and create clones got stuck by a simple force field. I was like, really? These guys have like Q power and they're stuck in a little force field. Stuff like that kind of th- throws me off on episodes, but uh, overall, it wasn't too bad. Guys, what do we think of this one? This is a throwaway episode. <laughs> it's a skip for me. Um, I struggled watching through this again. Hold on there. I don't think it's a throwaway. And the, the, the reason being is we see Picard's ambitions without him, without himself holding back. Eh, I, not enough. I, oh, no. I don't think we learned anything new about Picard. We didn't know about it in any other episode. Oh, yeah. You knew he, sang, he, he was a singer. And, he, and you know he had some sweet advances on Bev. Yeah, and you also know later on that when uh, Riker says to him, I didn't know you were such a singer, and he kind of made a face like I'm not, and then the faces he made at Beverly, I mean, come on. Like, uh, we didn't learn anything here. And this species never gets displayed again, ever. So we don't ever hear back from this species. There, there, there was no progression in this episode. It's a mid-season filler, or it's a not even mid-season. It's a we're getting close to the end of the season. We need to fill up with something. Let's go ahead and create another episode here. Um, I would be shocked if this thing rated in the top, even in the top ninety percent of episodes. This is a this is an awful episode. Not nearly as bad as season one, but it's not a very good episode. It's a skip. I wouldn't skip it. I, I mean, I don't think it's good by any means, but I, I, I think it's, I think it's worth a watch. 
and a rewatch. Well, what do you think about this one? I thought it was mildly entertaining at best. I don't like the ending. I don't like how the the they were able to just clone him and put a doppelganger on the ship. I think it would have been better if he would have just been captured and they have to figure out like what happened to him. I li- I mean I, I like the ending and the fact that how they they using nonverbal cues, quote unquote, he gets the the aliens trapped up on a force field and they were like, Oh, we can't survive a, a, you know, captivity. And he's like, well, now you know how I felt, you know? And I mean, that's, that's kind of like, Hey, you know, he's just basically doing that to, to prove a point. I mean, you know, so someone hits you, you got to hit him back kind of thing. I, I don't know. Um, nah, it's okay. I, I wouldn't skip it. I, w- I wouldn't necessarily seek it out to watch again. I like the way that Picard figures out, and because I, I didn't catch it at, at first when I first watched it, that 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 one S ensign is you know knows more than she should based on her rank, you know, Hera or whatever the cadet. I wouldn't have caught that, but they they come up with a good solution to how he figured out who it was. But it, I mean, I don't know. This is all in all was okay. All right, so definitely a watch, Brad. Thanks for uh, trying though. Worst episode ever. Oh my god, what? Wait, you think Captain's Holiday was worse than the last episode? <laughs> no, I saw about the last episode, but oh. disagreeing with you. Aw, thanks. Next episode we got is Captain's Holiday. In this one, Captain Picard's stressed out after some meetings he had to go to, and he's basically talked into going to Ryza for a little break by Deanna Troy implying that her mother is going to come. And, you know, how Captain Picard feels about that. So he uh, he reluctantly goes to Ryza. And, uh, you know, Ryza always lives up to its name. By far, we see a lot of people having a lot of fun in very little clothes. And Picard pretty quickly runs into Vosh, played by Jennifer Hetrick. Uh, we also get a couple alien time travelers who were who there trying to recover a lost artifact. and None other than a Ferengi, played by the the gentleman Max Grodchek, I think is how you say it, who plays Rom on Deep Space Nine. Uh, this is his first appearance as a Ferengi, and obviously he did pretty well since they brought him in as a, a main character in Deep Space Nine. The episode has a lot going on. I like it when we see Picard doing things that he's passionate about on the show, like looking for lost artifacts and he's always into a good mystery, which we see in the holodeck a lot of times. So this time he's actually on a planet doing it, which I think is really cool. And it's he's nice seeing him. Indiana Jones. Right. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I thought it was really good. I really liked the episode a lot. Um, it also another mention of this episode is the chemistry played between him and Jennifer Hetrick was real. And the two actually had a well-publicized affair after that episode. And I can't remember if he got a divorce or if he was just separated from his actual wife at the time after that because of what happened. All right, guys, let's break down this episode. Captain's Holiday. Who would like to start? One of my favorite parts about this episode, and I think it was Riker that tells him to get this idol or something for him. And is it Riker that tells him to buy that? I think so. And he, and he has it sitting there as he's trying to read the book. And, if, you know, all these women are coming up to him asking him about whatever the word is. And they keep saying, like, just leave me alone, you know. And then he figures out what it actually is. Kind of gets pissed off at Riker. But 
Um, other than that, I mean, you see Vosh later on in another series, um, and it was it wasn't bad. I wasn't uh, I wasn't entirely thrilled with it. I, I mean, the chemistry you could definitely tell with the, with uh, with Jennifer Hetrick and Patrick Stewart, but yeah, it wasn't wasn't too bad. I love Indiana Jones, but I don't know. I didn't have that feel. They're going after a a relic, but it wasn't didn't have the adventure, the pulp feel that Indiana Jones does, in my opinion. So I don't know where you kind of get that, except for that they're going after an archaeology. Um, I didn't know that this is the first time that we see uh, Max Gradenchik in it. So I thought, I think that's cool. I I guess I didn't kind of realize it was him that was playing that Ferengi. So, but I do like episodes that you kind of see Picard doing something different. And to an extent, um, it was a fun episode. So Brad, I think this think? is our first real time that we see Riza, right? Like we haven't been to Riza yet. We've only heard about it. I think we've heard about it in the previous episodes. I don't think we've seen it yet, though. Yeah. So we kind of get the the feel for Riza as being like the the vacation planet, or or even more so the uh, uh, the place where whatever happens in Riza stays in Riza, sort of thing. Not not to the extent that we see it in um, in the future, but it definitely kind of gets that feel here. Um, but I, so I love and I, I, I like and dislike this episode at the same time. I like this episode because of what we see at a, at a Picard and that we meet Vosh and that we get more Ferengi and um, we get a storyline that is, is, uh, is interesting to follow, I guess. Um, as, but on the same token uh, to get, get that interesting we had to do a goofy time travel episode from some aliens that came back in time to find a relic that was hidden you know back in time so that way the people in the future wouldn't find it but that doesn't make sense because if it was back in time it just would have shown up in the future anyway and it's supposed to be the ultimate weapon but nobody knows how to use it and i don't know all that was kind of hokey and um i wish they would have spent some more time figuring out what the MacGuffin was going to be in this episode. But, you know, outside of that, um, establishing Vash's character, I think was important. And I liked that. And seeing uh, Picard out of his standard role of being a captain aboard a starship was neat. And I called him space Indiana Jones because he generally will like favor going after the archeology span stuff. I mean, I don't really think he's Indiana Jones. It was just kind of a joke. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Stay tuned because next week, Star Trek Picard, we're going to hit that hard. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have yourself a great evening. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Make it so.